0: Welcome to the Real Estate Hustle Podcast. My name is Andre Chin, broker owner, real estate investor, mega agent, and real estate coach. We're going to be tackling all things real estate, bringing you guests from all across North America, mega agents, mega teams, we're going to be diving deep into their businesses to figure out how they got to where they are and how they consistently bring that hustle into their business every single day. Buckle up. Our podcast starts now hey everyone welcome back to another episode of the real estate hustle podcast today we've got a great mentor friend someone that i've idolized for a really long time who's running a massively large business he's doing so many other cool things you guys are going to really enjoy loving this one but none other than mr jeff glover has decided to join us today jeff thank you so much for being here you man i've been watching yeah thanks for coming i mean i i heard someone say to me the other day and and you can tell me if this is true or not but You started in the industry when you were 19 or was it
1: 18? Uh, Actually, I got licensed in May of 03. I was 18 years old at the time I got licensed, but I turned 19 in the following June. So (laughs) technically, you know, yes, we'll call it nineteen.
0: Now, what makes, I mean, you're you're coming out of high school and you're decided I'm going to go in a career in real estate. And I mean, most people, we know that real estate's a second, third, fourth, fifth career for them, but you chose to do real estate out of the gate at at 18. Mm -hmm. What was that like for you?
1: Well, I was already, um, I was already in sales when I was in high school. Uh, I was selling furniture. And so um, in, in in furniture commissions, I mean, you know, there's commission salespeople in furniture making 100,000 a year, 125, 150,000 a year selling furniture. And so, I was in high school working about half time and doing pretty well. I mean, I, I probably my senior year of high school, I think I made seventy thousand dollars as a senior in high school <laughs> selling furniture. So, um, you know, there were a lot of months where I would outproduce, you know, even the top full time producer in the store. And so. You know, I was looking at my options. I was meeting with my guidance counselors in high school. I was getting advice from from people, um, you know, in my store, which, you know, of course, when you're, um, you know, 18, 17, 18 years old, you're very impressionable, right? So I was just getting as many opinions as I can. And everyone was just kind of saying, look, dude, you're you're good at sales. You need to stick with sales. And And if you want to go away to college with all your buddies, then that's fine. You can do that. Uh, but you should still work in in sales in some capacity. So I just made the decision to to stay back and go to a community college, and and give real estate a try. Wow. Wow. And and that's simply. So
0: did you find the age thing to be a a challenge? I mean, we've got a lot of new young listeners coming into the real estate industry and and we hear that all the time. It's like, ah, you know, people won't work with me because I'm so young, et cetera, et cetera. What was your first couple of years like being that young? And and what were some of those challenges?
1: Well, um, there's no doubt. um, You know, my first 30, 40 days, I was questioning uh, the industry and questioning my ability to succeed in the industry. Uh, at that age, because not only was I 19 years old, but I probably looked like I was 16. Um, I, I I'll never forget a conversation I had with my my broker after about 40 days. His name's uh, Tim Riley. He's no longer with us today. But after about 40 days, I'm sitting in his office saying, "Tim, I don't know how I'm going to make it in this business." And you know, he's kind of like, "Well, what do you mean, Jeff?" I said, "Well, I'm I'm 19 years old. I look like I'm 14 years old. I've never bought a house. I've never sold a house." Uh, everyone that I'm competing against are like polished professional old timers, you know, because when you're 19 years old, like people in their 30s are old, right. <laughs> um, and, you know, here I am driving my Pontiac Silver Grand Am from high school and everyone's driving like nice Lincoln Town cars and all this. And I'm like, Tim, I, I don't know, you know, it was different when I worked at the furniture store, people would come in and and they don't know anything. It's just, hey, here's a nice guy that's going to help us out. I'm going out to someone's house and and asking them to trust me with their, in many cases, their most, their largest asset. And so I'll never forget. He said, Jeff, you just have to sound like you've been doing it a long time. You just have to sound like you've been doing it a long time, which by the way, of course, I was like, Hey, thanks for the advice, Tim. (laughs) You know, how do I sound like I've been doing it a long time? And, um, you know, he pulled out his bottom left-hand drawer. I'll never forget. He pulled out a, a three ring binder and kind of set it up on his desk and opened it up and there was no cover on this binder. And it was probably about this thick and he opened it up and he fanned the pages. And he said, Jeff, this is the book of scripts of all the great trainers today. Now this was 2003, right? So these were all the trainers from the nineties. And back then there was actually like five or six legitimate trainers. You know, Andre, today you sell 17 homes and you're like a CEO extraordinaire, um, entrepreneur, you know, coach, trainer, public speaker, motivational speaker, right? Because there was no social media back then. So you actually had to be legit. And so um, he said, you know, these are the scripts from the best trainers. If you can master these, you'll be fine, Jeff. No one will question how long you've been in the business. And so he gave me an assignment very early on. And that assignment was essentially, Um, I had to write out scripts every single day for 30 days. I had to chant them aloud once a day for 30 days, like literally hold them in front of my face and chant them, read them to myself out loud once a day for 30 days. And then I had to role play them once a day for 30 days. And I had to find people in the office to role play with. And so he gave me this little assignment and here I was thinking like, this is the training program maybe, and nobody else in the office was doing this. I was the only one, right. I think he just thought, well, this kid's impressionable and, and this will work. Yeah. I see so what happened. happens. Right. My first 30 days outside of his little program, I took 11 listings. I'll never forget. Cause that program was, um, June, July, August of 03 and September of 03, I took 11 listings wow. and, um, you know, from there made the decision to be a listing agent and, and, and essentially what I did in those 90 days is I mastered my scripts and dialogues so that nobody would ever question how long I've been doing this. And I, I had no choice. I, I, I didn't feel like people were going to sign with me, um, you know, going out on appointments in, unless I did something like this. And so it worked. That's cool. That's cool. Were, were you KW at the time or were you at uh, another company? I was with Century 21.
0: Wow. So, so, I mean, we get the, you know, it's funny because we, we here at KW we get the, uh, I would say the bad side of that where they're like, Oh yeah, you guys are so scripted and everything else, but here you are at another company Mm -hmm. and they're doing scripts and role play and everything else. And we know that's obviously one of the five jobs of a real estate agent is script and play daily. And, and, you know, I still hear it to this day and it's like, well, I can just go do it on social media or I can just go do it here. I can just go do it there. Yeah. And it's, it's not the truth, right? Like, can, can we agree to that? That it's just not, you're not going to do
1: hundred listings a year. No. But- and the, correct. And the reason for that is, is because for the foreseeable future, so long as we have a listing presentation and a buyer consultation, whether it's in-person or virtual, so long as we're still meeting with buyers and sellers, they're making a decision to hire us based on how we make them feel. Well, how do you make a person feel a certain way? That's based on what you say, right? And the scripts are designed to get people to feel good about you. And if they feel good about you, then they'll hire you. If you're just going out there, you know, yeah, like you said, if, you, if, you're, if you're doing all sorts of engagement on social media, and, and by the way, social media is a great, can be a great lead generation tool. However, how do you go from lead generation tool to a listing contract signed? That's what people who get all caught up in, in social media and mastering you know TikTok and Reels and all these things, like, okay, that's great. You you actually will get some good exposure. You'll actually have some people reach out to you. But now when you go on an appointment against an agent like myself, you're going to lose. yeah Because yeah. when I go on an appointment, I'm going to make sure they feel good about hiring me. What are you doing to make sure they feel good about hiring you? And that is the scripts. That is why the scripts still work today. Yes, even 2021, 2022, it's still going to be a big part of the business. So, so are you
0: still scripting, just out of curiosity?
1: So I did for probably 15 years. I had role-play partners every day. Um, and, and then it kind of shifted to me just role-playing with agents on our team. Uh, we have an inside sales manager now that works with our inside sales team. But when I was the manager of our inside sales team, that was my job, to role-play with them, to get them fired up, right? To get To get them pumped up, to get on the phones. And it started with accountability, how many contacts we're going to make today, how many appointments we're going to set. And then we would transition into role play and, and, and absolutely, you know, that, that would be part of our daily routine. I love that. So, so
0: give me the journey. So, so we're, you know, we're 19 with 20, we're starting to crush it in real estate. Um, I know at some point you come over to, you come over to Keller, but now you're an, you're an OP still, if I'm not mistaken. Um, you've got a massively large team that they, I mean, you guys did some incredible numbers in 2021 Give me. How does that journey happen for you? How do you get from I'm a solo at Century Twenty One to yeah. to I'm to live unreal, so to speak.
1: Yeah. Well, I think um I think one of the advantages that that I have over a lot of the competition or a lot of agents is I actually took some time to step back and learn how to recruit, learn how to train, learn how to motivate, uh, learn how to hold successful sales meetings. Uh, I was given an opportunity after I had some some success at Century 21, about a year and a half into the business, uh, I was recruited by a coal banker firm in Metro Detroit. And, you know, I say I was recruited by, but really I reached out to them. um, And I reached out to several um, brokers, including my own. And my own told me I I needed some more seasoning, which at the time I was, I was not happy about that. (laughs) Try telling a, a 20 year old kid that just made 120 grand that he needs more seasoning, right? Like I had it all figured out in my mind. Now, looking back, I recognize and respect that he told me I needed more seasoning because he was right, by the way. Um, but I had a, had a company take a chance on me, uh, Paul and Kathy Schweitzer. They're still mentors to me today, um, and, and I still have a good relationship with Kathy. Paul's retired. Um, but they, they took a chance to, to allow me to run one of their offices. And Andre, how I arrived at this was really twofold. Because I made the decision to not go away to college, because if I went away to college, my plan was to go to business, you know, go through business management classes and and essentially have a bachelor's of of marketing or something related to business or finance or something like that. So I thought to myself, all right, I'm going to need this. Real estate's working out, right? If I can sell 32 homes my first year in the business, I think I found my place, right? I'm already convinced I'm going to be a sales guy and whatever. So that's fine. I'm embracing it. But then I thought, Andre, if I get really good at this, there's probably going to be opportunities for me to manage, to train, to, to to own real estate companies. And so where am I going to get the training and the education to be a leader to people? I didn't go to college, right? So if I'm not going to finish school, then I can't have credibility, right? Because traditionally that that's where we get our credibility, right? The degree's on the wall, right? You know. Um, and so I said, well, if I'm not going to do that, then I'm going to have to get my credibility from being on the job and in the field of learning how to manage, learning how to train. So I took a step back. I went from that year, if I, if I remember correctly, my 1099 was 147,000, the year I made the decision to go into management. And I accepted a salary of 60 grand. With, with like a ceiling of 85. I mean, I knew there was no way I was probably, so I cut my income in half, but why did I do that? Because I wanted to learn how to train. I wanted to learn how to recruit. I wanted to learn how to understand profit and loss statements. I wanted to learn how to coach one-on-one with agents. I wanted to learn how to conduct sales meetings because I knew at some point in time, later in life, later in my career, I'm going to have an opportunity to run a big company for somebody, or I'm going to have an opportunity just to have my own company. Right. And so I made the decision instead of continuing down just more sales, more sales, more sales, more sales, to take a step back in my business so I could learn that other part of the business. And then, so Andre from 2005 to essentially 2009, I was in leadership roles, right? I, I did pretty well at the recruiting of the, and training of the office that I was in, that they promoted me to their director of training and recruiting. And they had about 13 offices around Metro Detroit. So now I went from being the guy that was recruiting and training to being the guy that taught the other managers how to recruit and how to train. And so I did that for, for probably a year and a half, maybe two years. And then I made the decision, all right, I got my four-year degree right? I made the decision to get back into sales and to start what is known today as, as Jeff Glover and Associates. And it wasn't because I really had a desire to have anything of my own. Honestly, where it came from, Andre, was I wanted to be able to have my own environment. That was the number one thing for me. Right. Above, and all, above above everything else, like, you know, above having my name on the door or owning a company or anything, that, that, those things were kind of like afterthoughts to me. The number one thing I wanted was to be able to have an environment that I could control. And the reason for that was because in the real estate industry, as you know, I'm not telling you anything you don't know. In most real estate companies, the environments suck. They're not productive. There's a lot of negativity. There's gossip, there's drama, there's, you know, real estate offices. I mean, for for forever, I used to be able to say, you know, at 9am at a regular real estate office, you can drop a pin and you can literally hear it hit the floor because people just show up whenever they want. And usually it's showing up late. And so the reason why I wanted to be able to control my own my own environment was actually a little self-serving. I knew that if we had a high energy, motivating, I mean, music playing and bells ringing and high-fiving and role-playing, I knew, Andre, that that would help me with my sales, right? I knew kind of like self-servingly that would help me be a better producer. And so I didn't have any sort of dream or desire to have a huge organization or anything like that. It was just I wanted my own environment and then what ended up happening is people started being attracted to that and and this is why where people say jeff how much time did you spend recruiting and growing your business and the reality is probably not as much as i i should have but what ends up happening is when you're a productive person that is an attractive quality in the real estate space so i was attracting you know i was recruiting naturally just by my production because people were saying jeff you know, I saw you rise to this level. I saw you do this much production. I want to be a part of your world, or I want to be around. I want to be in one of your offices or whatever. And so, at the time, it was just one office, um, and we just kind of grew it that way. And and from there, you know, my production, I kept my production before we started. And I know I'm bouncing around a little bit, but before we started, Glover U, for instance, and I know you mentioned, you know, Live Unreal and so forth. Um, I had, I had an obligation, and that was I knew in the back of my mind, like 2010, I knew Glover U was going to be a thing. But I wanted to personally sell 100 homes per year, 10 years in a row. That was my milestone. I said to myself back, you know, 2010 or whatever, somewhere around that time, Glover U is going to exist for agents because that's really my wheelhouse. That's what I'm going. That's what I enjoy. But I am not going to do it until I have the credibility. And in my mind, the number was 100. I need to sell 100 homes a year for 10 years in a row. 2008 was my first year selling over 100 homes, and 2019 was my last year selling or 2018 was my last year selling hundred homes. And, you know, I'm still selling, between, right? Like this isn't, this isn't the team. This is, this is Jeff sold a hundred houses. Correct. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. And, and right now I'm still somewhere between 75 and 85 a year myself, but I, I wanted to be able to say, yes, I sold a hundred homes a year, 10 years in a row. Oh no, our team was, I mean, combined the, those, you know, in the early years, you know, we were doing maybe 250 deals, and I was doing 100, and the team was was doing 150, and then we got up to like 450, and I was doing 150, and the team was doing 300. Right? I know this is that was my number, and and you know, obviously we've done between 900 and a thousand for the last five years. Yeah.
0: Yeah. So, so let's, let's go that direction a little bit here. Um, And then I want to circle back on a couple of things I heard out of that. Tell tell me where your world is today. So how many deals did you guys do just for context for everyone listening at home? um, Where's, where's Glover and associates at in 2021? So
1: 2021 um, about 235 million and uh, about 930, 940 transactions. Wow. Wow.
0: Just let that sink in for a second, right? Like almost a thousand units yep. and, and
1: you're just in, you're
0: just in Detroit,
1: correct? We're, we're in this, we're in Michigan. So yes, Detroit is our main location. Uh, we also sell anywhere from say 75 to hundred homes a year included in that number in Grand Rapids, Michigan, which is the second uh, largest city in Michigan on the West side of the state. Wow.
0: That's impressive. Congratulations. I, I just want to take a moment and congratulate Thank you because that is impressive.
1: Yep.
0: Wow. So what's your, <laughs> I, I'm, I'm stunned by that. Cause I knew some of your numbers. I don't think I realized you guys had gotten to that level. It really in, in two cities. I mean, you, you hear expansionists all across sure. the U S you know, they're in 10, 12, whatever amount of cities yeah. and they're not doing as many numbers as you guys are. And you guys are doing this in, in a, in a state, in a city sure. that is considered
1: low volume. There's not much happening there. Right. Our average sales price, yeah. Our average sales price is uh, about 270,000. Right. Um, and Uh, You know, what I think actually, and I appreciate you recognizing that and saying that and thank you. What I'm more impressed with though, I'll tell you is we are known for having the highest producing agents. Our per person productivity is about 31 deals per year per agent. Wow. So, you know. um, Well, that's,
0: that's a number no one talks about, right?
1: Like you you hear a lot of this stuff and, you know, you go and look at
0: the roster and it's, it's, you know, one or two people that are doing 90% of the business. No, we have,
1: we have like 25, 26 salespeople. Wow. Doing, you know, 940 transactions.
0: That's impressive. Mm-hmm. So, so what's your system around that? Is that your ISA team? Is that you? Is that the,
1: the coaching, training, and leverage? Like what's what's getting everyone there? Yeah. Well, we're really big on teaching agents how to self-generate business. Uh, so much so that we don't even reward you with opportunities. We don't even hand out leads until you're self-generating business. And and that is that is that is our culture here. Uh, we have a we have a play favorites culture, and the favorites are the highest self generators, right? So that way, no one, no one, you can be here 10 years. Um, you, we don't reward for, for 10 year, we reward for production. And so, um, you know, by doing so, what ends up happening is we attract and retain higher producing agents because they know that they're going to continue to get opportunities so long as they're bringing business in. Right. In a lot of real estate teams, what ends up happening is the top producers um, kind of get annoyed or tired of the fact that a guy doing 3 million is getting, you know, in volume a year is getting as many opportunities as a guy doing 7 or 10 million. And sometimes the person doing 3 million in volume is getting more opportunities because they're trying to help them along. They're trying to help build them up. And by the way, I'm never against, I mean, from time to time, if someone's kind of in a slump, yeah, we'll, 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 we'll infuse them with a few extra leads the next 30 days to get them kind of back on track, but never should my $3 million producer be getting more opportunities than my $10 million producer.
0: No, that's that's a good point. And and I think a lot of sales teams struggle with that, right? Because you're struggling with this, well, what about me, right? What about me? I'm here too, like, look at me. Hey, I'm trying, I'm doing my my best,
1: right? So, you know, what what are you guys focusing on? So by the way, what ends up happening? So there's an upside and a downside to that model. The downside to that model is we have higher turnover on the newer agents, because if you can't figure out how to fish in six months, you're going to go to another team where they're going to give you the fish, yeah. right? Um, we're here, you're, we're going to cause you to struggle a little bit because we know that that struggle is what's going to build the character. Now, you're not going to get nothing. It's not like it's not like a black and white, you know, tit for tat, meaning you bring in a deal, you'll get a deal from us. No, we're, we're you're, you're going to be part of the rotation, but you're going to be lower on the rotation until you start bringing in business. And then once you start bringing in business, you have proven to us that we can trust you with our opportunities. And now we're going to start, feeding you our opportunities but the downside with that model is you know we put time and energy into training someone and then after six months they're gone it's it's not enough for them to make it work and so we have um you know only a handful you know each time we bring in a new group that that ends up making it because we're not feeding them you know opportunities like some of the other teams do but what ends up happening with the other teams that do the reverse of us you know there's pluses and minuses to every model what happens to the teams that do the reverse of us, they'll get more out of that agent in their first year and maybe even their second year than we will. However, after three or four years, they have a greater risk of losing that agent right. where we lose them earlier on, if, if that makes sense. Right, right.
0: Yeah, so, so the ones that get through tend to stick it out longer with you versus versus the side, right so no i think both sides there's merit to both sides there is i've seen Mm -hmm. kind of a hybrid where you know it's it's you gotta you gotta learn to fish first then we jump in with you and and all all different terms i think what's important to note is every model has successes every model has things that don't correct yeah that's all of us but what's your you know you talked about you know being in business with these people and and helping them self-generate and what are you doing that through? Like, is that, hey, go pick up the phone, go door knock. Do you even care what they do as long as they find business?
1: Yeah, so we have a we have an inside sales model and we teach them to make outbound phone calls to potential sellers. That right. is first and foremost. Uh, we then teach them how to handle buyer leads. And um, they're on the phones for 90 days before they can even go meet with a client. And, and we do that because of, and I use the phrase at-bats, okay? Um, you, you can have 40 to 50 at-bats per day on the phone. And only maybe, maybe if you're a really good agent, maybe one a day in person. And so what happens is if, if by, by having them make 40 to 50 contacts a day and having 40 to 50 conversations a day, that is speeding up the learning curve of their, of their sales game, if you will. Right. Because if they didn't do that and they just went on an appointment a day or were handed an opportunity every single day, it's gonna be really slow for them to become a great salesperson. But because they're getting 40 at-bats per day, the dialogue we have on the phone is the same dialogue we have in person. So they're gonna be more prepared to go out and present to a seller after, nine, after being on the phone for 90 days, making 40 contacts per day.
0: That makes sense. Yeah, that makes that makes perfect sense. So, so give me the bad. I mean, what's what's not a rock star for you or, or what's not the, the, the upper. Cause I mean, we're hearing all the good. And I mean, everyone knows building a sales team. It's not easy. It's work. There there's, you know, blood, sweat and tears. There's a lot of tough days. You know, I just did six personal perspectives yesterday. And I was talking about that mindset of mega producers and how hard it is to, to keep it strong all the time. So, I mean, what are the, what are some of those big stumble points that you remember going through that, that like, you know, realtors need to hear about that. Hey, this isn't all sunshine and rainbows.
1: Yeah. Well, I mean, I, I would say the biggest one is, is um, being okay with the turnover. Um, you know, I think a lot of agents probably take it personally uh, and don't get me wrong. I mean, I'm human. I, I take it personally too, uh, but I'll never forget my, my very first leadership coach told me that number one, Jeff, if you generate, you don't have to tolerate. Meaning if you're, if you got enough people that are coming in, you don't have, you're, you don't, you won't have agents sitting in the chair across from you saying, do this or else. And if they do that, you have no problem saying or else, because you got enough people coming in, right? So I was taught early on that if you generate, you don't have to tolerate. If you got people coming in, you don't have to put up with the crap of of people saying, you know, asking for for better splits or asking for a loyalty contract or any of that, because you don't have to do that. You got people coming in., uh, so that's number one. Number two, that same coach also told me that agents come agents go. It's part of the business. It's the business that you choose to be, you chose to be in, you know, get over it. Right. Just always be bringing in more than, than that are leaving. Right. So um, I I would say my biggest challenge and, and, you know, where I've had to learn to grow and and overcome is, is being okay when agents do go off on their own or being okay when agents decide they're going to compete with you. Um, It's, it's just, it's just part of the business. You gotta, you gotta accept that.
0: Yeah. Yeah, no, that's that's a good one. Thank you for sharing. I wanted to touch base on routines, right? We hear a lot of different ones. You got the miracle morning, you got this, you got that. Are you a very regimented type guy?
1: Like are you up at the same time every day? Oh, without question. I mean, one of our one of our sayings on the wall is own the morning, win the day. I mean, I am an absolute fanatic with my time. Fanatic. Uh, right now I'm in the middle of tour season for Glover U, So it changes every day because I'm in a different city, you know, three days a week right now. But without question. I've lived by this rule. If I can't duplicate it every single day in the morning, Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, it does not go on my morning schedule. If I can't duplicate it every day at the same time, it does not go in my morning routine, right? So uh, I don't do closings in the morning. I don't do walkthroughs in the morning. I don't do inspections in the morning because the day I give up on my morning routine, I'm sacrificing a paycheck 60 to 90 days from now. So I really have broken up my day into two parts. The morning is for client generation. And the afternoon is for client servicing. So my, my only goal every single morning is to find a client to present to that day. And then in the afternoon, I go into servicing mode, you know, administration, calling back co-op agents, um, you know, price reductions, returning, returning calls, uh, returning emails, right? Um, no, it's, I am fanatical about my time. What, what time do you start in the morning? What time are you up? Yeah. So, you know, what's interesting about that. Somebody asked me that yesterday in Orlando, and, and I think she was waiting to hear me say like 3.30 or 4. I'm up at 6 a.m. So not some crazy, you know, four a.m. or five a.m. hashtag five a.m. club. I'm up at six a.m. Yep. yep, and you're
0: still managing to get all this done because it's not just it's not just Glover and Associates, right? So let's let's kind of chunk it out. So you've got the main sales team, mm-hmm. you've got uh, Glover U, which is is that all training and education? Is that what that's yeah, designed? Glover
1: U is training and coaching? Mm-hmm.
0: Okay, and then you've got is, is part so that's part of the coaching business is part of Glover U. Um, yeah.
1: You've got Live Unreal, which is. But Live Unreal is kind of like the parent company of all yeah. of them. Um, so yeah, there's 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 the sales team, there's You, there's the market centers, uh, which you know we've got three market centers and and four business centers, so seven locations, uh, and 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 uh, a title company, which is a pretty big title company. Um, they're probably I think the fifth or sixth largest in Michigan right now and um, a foundation and, and some other businesses that, that are attached to that as well. We've got an iBuyer called YouPraise, an iBuyer program, property management company. Um, You know, so yeah, we, we have, we have a handful, Um, but I'm not involved in the day-to-day in most of them, actually. Uh, We've got leaders. In fact, the only one that I'm really involved in the day-to-day in is probably JGA. Um, And, and um, I mean, and what I'm doing for Glover U, right? Like I'm, I, I think that each when I think about the success of each one of them, each one of them has a sales leader now, um, you know, and 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 somebody who's running it, and that certainly takes a lot off my plate, so I can do A, B, and C. Okay.
0: Yeah. How, so it took you this entire time to build it. You're, you're plugged in. What's your secret to finding talent? Because that was something else I heard you say you wanted to get really, really good at mm-hmm. was recruiting and attracting talent. Yeah. Um, and it sounds like you've got some massively talented people in your world. I've, I've had conversations with many of them over, over the years of knowing you. What's yeah. your secret?
1: Is there a secret or is there something you're looking for? Well, specifically? Yeah. So I'm going to give two answers on that. Uh, number one, um, majority of our talent, the people that are in leadership roles in, in our organizations are actually people that started with me several years ago that I've developed, right? And I think there's, there's nobody likes hearing that answer because they think, oh man, it's going to take me five to 10 years to develop someone. Okay. I mean, that that's what I had to do. Now there's an easier, a faster way to do it, but you still have time in developing people. And that is, you know, going and finding out someone that's succeeding in a role in this industry or in an outside industry, and um, you know there's companies nowadays that you can hire to obviously help you find talent, um, but I, I prefer, I prefer the um, the if 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 I'm an agent listening to this, and you know I'm doing 10, 20, 30 million, whatever, I prefer having someone start in the mailroom and work their way up, because what happens is is they're going to have the respect. Of all the other people as they're rising through the ranks, somebody that comes into the industry from another industry is is has a chance at being uber successful, but they're going to have to get their ego out of the way and actually suck it up a little bit and say, "All right, I'm going to have to do A, B, and C just like the salespeople are doing in order to gain their respect." The person that came up through the ranks doesn't have to do that. Meaning, like the person that came up through the ranks. I mean, I'm just using this as like an egotistical kind of jokingly statement, but they can say, I don't have to make phone calls anymore. I did that for 10 years, right? And you guys all watched me. The person coming in from outside has to, doesn't have that credibility, maybe has credibility in other industries, but somebody coming from the outside is going to, be, going to have to prove themselves and, and kind of take a step back and say, no, 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 I'll get on the phones with you guys. Let me do it. Let me show you how it's done. Because otherwise, the people that look up to the leader is, is going to question their ability they're, they're always going to have that in the back of their mind like hey I appreciate your you know your knowledge and, and what you've learned in other industries but if you haven't walked a mile in my shoes right you've heard that if you haven't walked in my shoes yeah. then it's harder for me to accept advice from you so if if at all possible bring them up have them start in the mailroom and have them work up now today I use both methods but that's because you know I don't have as much time to dedicate to personal development of of, of people one-on-one. So I have to go and find people that have already been developed, you know, in theory by somebody else. It's just, you know, once they get into a role, they have to maybe take a step back and, and actually be in the role that the salespeople are in to earn their respect. And, you know, it doesn't have to be immediate. It doesn't have to be right away, but certainly that's, that's, that's part of the process. And that, that adds a little bit of a delay in whatever results it is that you want out of that person, because they're now taking a step back to learn the role or to, to be on the, be in the floor, or be in the pit, if you will, with the people, uh, before they can actually start, you know, growing the business.
0: Now, now when you're looking at, at the phones I and mean, that's come up over and over and over again, are you guys
1: calling a database, or are you guys still, still doing colds. And- oh no, we're still calling expires for sell by owners, circle prospecting, buyer leads. Yeah. We're still doing the traditional methods. The only thing that that has changed is we have added, um, um, Texting and emailing and video messaging and that kind of right. We've just we've just added. I'll use this example. So we used to be able to say the average is ten contacts per hour. Ten contacts per hour. Ten contacts per hour. That was the number. You know, if you want to make fifty contacts a day, that's five hours of intense prospecting. Now, five hours of intense prospecting means somebody's probably going to have an eight-hour schedule or a ten-hour schedule, right? Because you got lunch in there, you got breaks and so forth, right? So. but 10 contacts an hour has been the rule for years. If you prospect with intensity, you can make 10. You can talk to 10 people per hour. Well, now if you're just making phone calls, that number is about seven an hour, maybe six an hour, because the the people less people answer, or you know less less home phones and you know more cell phones and all that, right? Or or the phone says spam, possible spam, right? So less people are answering. Um, so you have to make those contacts up somewhere else. So you can still make 10 contacts an hour, but the other two or three or four are going to come through text message or they're going to come through email. And those are contacts. A contact is a response from a decision-making adult. So those still count. If they responded to your text message, even if they told you to go fly a kite, they count, right?
0: Yeah, No, that's, that's interesting. Where, where do you see this going though? I mean, we're, we're hearing it, right? We're losing, we're going to lose cold calls. We're going to lose home phones. Everyone's going to have a cell phone. You're not going to be able to get in touch with them the same way. Do you buy into that theory or
1: or what do you see? To coming some degree. Us? Yeah. I think that, um, you know, less, you know, and, and we're talking like 10 years from now over the, over the foreseeable future. No, I mean, you're still going to have, people are still going to talk on the phone, right? I mean, people are, you know, people are going to still go to the door. Um, but 10 years ago or 10 years from now, it could look different. Sure. Um, but listen, we're always going to find a way, right? Even if it's like no more, let's say text messaging goes away. Fine. I'm going to find a way to message them on Facebook or, or Instagram, right? Like we're going to find a way.
0: Yeah. And that's, that's really the message. And then, you know, over my shoulder, I got the word hustle there. And that's really it is, is just, you got to keep going. You got to keep finding that hustle. Hey, worst
1: comes to worst. If, if, as long as they own a home, they're going to have a front door, right? Worst comes to worst. I'm going to their door. I mean, that's what I've said for years. If, if ever somebody came in and said real estate agents can no longer call for sell by owners and can no, no longer call leads or whatever, cool. I'll just go to their door. I mean, yeah, it sucks. I hate door knocking, but if I had to do it, I would do it.
0: Yeah. Yeah, no, I love that. So, so what's next for for Jeff Glover and Associates? What's next in your world? Like, what should we be keeping an eye out for in the next one, two, five years? Yeah. What
1: are we see next? Well, I mean, for JGA, uh, you know, as as it's it's been my baby, right? And um, you know, I'm now at the point to where I'm spending less time with that, so that way I can grow some of these other businesses. And because I've been growing these other businesses without having a strong sales leader at the helm of JGA. JGA has been a little bit at a disadvantage. I mean, you know, I'm not proud to say we've done between 900,000 deals a year for the last five years. I mean, to me, that sounds like we hit a ceiling, right? (laughs) Like anyone listening to this podcast, I I jokingly tell people, Hey, I can help you get to a thousand deals, but beyond that, I'm sorry, I'm not your guy. (laughs) You know, you want to get to 2000, that's going to have to be another coach. I'll get you to a thousand, but clearly the evidence shows, I don't know how to get anyone over a thousand. So, um, you know, now we've got a great sales leader at JGA who's who I've passed the baton to, uh, and 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 we're gonna we're gonna break through. I mean, we've broken a thousand before. I think a thousand like 50 was our biggest year ever. Um, but but you know, look for us to be competing at the 1,500 level, the 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 2,000 deal a year level. There are plenty of 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 opportunities available here in Michigan, um, and and we just need someone to focus 100% of their efforts on JGA because self-admittingly, over the last four or five years, it hasn't been me. I mean, I've I've focused you know, five years ago, I was probably at 80%. Four years ago, 60%. Three years ago, 50%. Two years ago, 40%. The last year, 30% of my efforts went towards JGA. And the reality is, is that has stunted the growth of the company, because of the effort, my time has been spent elsewhere. And well, so I would really... say that's probably the biggest thing that we're focusing on in 2022. Um, getting JGA back on a track of of growth versus just kind of staying at this position,
0: and that's really you know transparent of you to say because really kind of what I heard through that is is you know it's my baby. You started with that. This is my baby. I'm holding on to this. This is kind of my thing, and and it almost ended up hurting you because it, it's it's giving you that ceiling, right? You've you've kind of been hitting your head off of that, and now you're ready to let go. Did did something specific happen that that forced you to let go, or was it just kind of hey, this is time. This is not the
1: best use of my time. Um. Yeah, I, I think it was um, just it wasn't necessarily any one like incident or specific, but just feeling like I'm failing our agents a little bit every year that I focus my attention on another business. And so it was just more of like a feeling like, man, I remember, you know, perfect. Here's a perfect example. And I know we got a few minutes left. And so we'll wrap up whenever you're ready. Um, we used to have 10 a.m. meetings. Five days a week, five days a week, Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday for 30 minutes. And you know what we did during those meetings? We would script practice and we would role play and we would chant scripts and we would just, you know, and then we, you know, it'd be like our break in between our calls. Well, then our 10 a.m. meetings went down to three days a week and now our 10 a.m. meetings are two days a week. And, and I'm not even, you know, now we have to have, oh, Jeff's out of town today, so somebody else is running it, right? So that little analogy just shows the, the, the progression of me spending less time here, and, and it's not fair to our associates, because in theory, the associates that were with me 10 years ago, well, they had an unfair advantage uh, up against the associates that join us today, and that's not right. And so uh, that's, that's, that's the reason for the switch. I love it. I love it. Congratulations uh, on on finding that person. We know that that director
0: of sales, that sales leader, that's a tough hire. And, uh, you know, I've been, I've been going through that myself
1: and, and and we've had some through the years years. and, 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 you know, the best piece of advice I can get there is, is don't hire a maintainer. That is we've hired maintainers through the years and, and, and self-admittingly, I kind of knew they were maintainers beforehand, But it also allowed me to still have control in my hands in the business because I wasn't quite ready to let go. And I should not have hired a a maintainer four or five years ago when I finally said, all right, we got to get somebody else in here to help. And that's the biggest mistake I think a lot of probably businesses make is they hire someone to maintain what what is in place versus hiring someone that actually wants to grow it. I love it.
0: I love it. Well, we got like one more minute left. And I always ask our guests to give us, you know, give us a mic drop moment, give us a quote, give us something that, you know, for these new agents listening, or even if you're restarting your business and you're trying to figure out where you want to go next in your real estate career, that that they have to absolutely hear from you. What would that be?
1: Yeah. Well, I wouldn't necessarily say that this is mic drop worthy, but this is for all the people, which is a lot of people in this industry, um, that, that want to have a big team and want to build a big business, you have to do what I call create the problem first. What do I mean by create the problem? You need to create a situation where you have more leads and more business than you can handle on your own before you go out and start building something. That's the number one mistake agents make, right? They say, you know, I'm going to have a big, you know, I sold 30 homes last year. I'm ready to start a team or I'm ready to have my own team. Cool. Cool. Um, get to 50 or 60 transactions a year yourself first, get to a point to where there's no more hours in the day first, and you have more business than you can handle, then start a team if that's truly something you want to do. And then that, that would, my, would be my second point. What is the reason you're doing it? Everyone thinks that, oh, I got to start a team because you know I want to walk across the stage and get the award. Okay, you understand when you start a team, you're becoming a manager, right? You're becoming a leader of other people. You passionate about that? You ready for that responsibility? You ready for all the time you're going to spend? Oh, by the way, are you ready for cutting your income in half? Because your income is going to be cut in half for the next five years when you start giving away opportunities and and their conversion is lower than yours and you're paying for leads because you've made promises and now now you've got to pay for more staff, right? So biggest thing is, is if you really want to grow a big business and start your own team and do all this, you have to have more business than you can handle on your own first. Focus on getting to that point and then start looking at what the model could look like of having a big business. I love that. Thank you so much for sharing. Jeff, if we want to get a hold of you, if someone wants to sign up
0: for Glover U, be a part of your world, what's the best way for them to get a hold of you?
1: Yeah, I would say the biggest thing is um, the Glover U Inner Circle Facebook group. That's where you're going to get the most information on, you know, our scripts uh, are there, Our anytime we're, you know, doing videos on what's going on in the market, the industry, those go there. So the Glover U Inner Circle Facebook group, would probably be the number one place I would start. So that's G-L-O-V-E-R space, the letter U, and then space Inner Circle. Glover U Inner Circle Facebook group is probably the number one place. Obviously, you can also go to GloverU.com and see whatever you want there. But in terms of like where I'm active the most and I even get out, you know, people will ask a question in there and I'll comment, right? Someone will say, hey, I went on an appointment last night and here's the objection I got. How would you handle this? And then I'll comment and other people will comment with responses. So uh, the Glover U Inner Circle is probably the best place.
0: Love it. Thank you so much, Jeff. We appreciate you being a guest on the show. Again, this has been the Real Estate Hustle Podcast. You can find us on Instagram, YouTube, Facebook, we're everywhere as well. Thank you so much, Jeff. I look forward to connecting with you again. And obviously we'll see you in Orlando Family Reunion. And I appreciate your time today, brother. Thank you. Sounds good. Thanks for having me on. We'll see you. Appreciate you.